Hey, welcome to the Engage Network podcast. We're so happy to have you join us today. Why don't we dive into another incredible, life-changing message? So Gavin kind of nicely went through the whole passage, which is perfect because I just have little, I just took little sections then because I won't read it again because you guys have kind of heard it already. But the part that I want to focus on is there are no conditions on how we must receive Christ, but there are conditions on how we should seek to live after we take that step. So in this passage, Paul is dealing specifically with the content of heresy in Colossae. So that church and that community at the time, they were speaking heresy, and they had all of these conditions that they said you must follow in order to accept Christ. And they were false teachers, formulating all of these false conditions to get to heaven that were aside from Christ and not of Christ. So Paul states in the passage that in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, meaning Christ is the head over all such rule and authority because he disarmed the rules and the authorities. The elemental spirits of the universe by his death and resurrection. So by his death and resurrection, he has given us new life. So it talks of new teachers, these new false teachers. And they sound very clever, and the things they say made sense. But they were empty of truth and power. They were attempting to bind the people with the old Jewish traditions and their pride and fear and the rituals and routines. Paul contrasts the new teachings with the reality of Christ. If we want to enter the fullness of God, Christ gives us complete and immediate access. There are no conditions on how we can receive Christ, but there are conditions on how we should seek to live after we take that step. So anyone can accept Christ, but sometimes the idea of accepting Christ can be portrayed as more complicated, like these false teachers have portrayed it. We may put our own conditions, even, on our faith that inhibit ourselves from accepting Christ or those around us. For example, you may not think you're good enough. It's too hard. You can't measure up. You may feel that if you accept Christ, there's an overwhelming amount of things you will have to change all at once. And it's overwhelming. Or you may have seen Christians in the past who are mean, and you don't want to be like them. Uh, I was talking to one of my one of my coworkers, and she told me that the meanest people she has ever met were Christians. And that just broke my heart. The meanest people she had ever met were Christians. How? how? <laughs> right? Like, that's not what we're called for. But people, they, but she said that they judge people for no reason. They expect everyone else to be living up to their standards. God calls us to more, but as we can tell right here through Paul's teaching, he doesn't give us stipulations. He doesn't give us stipulations of how we have to be in order to receive him. Yeah. He calls absolutely everyone. As Christians, who we are, we then, we tend to put conditions on people or judge them as they walk in the door based on a statement they may have made or the clothing choice, which, let's face it, we've all made bad clothing choices. It just happens. In the moment, it's not bad. Later on, it's bad. So it just happens. So on the flip side, God also calls those Christians who are mean. And that's kind of what I told her. As I told her, I'm like, 
this is the thing about Christianity. God calls absolutely everyone. He calls the mean. He calls the bad, the dirty, the ugly. He calls everything. He calls absolutely everyone. So you're going to find mean people in church and outside of church. That's because he calls us all. That being said, God does not call us to be judgmental or mean. He calls the opposite, which I'll I'll touch base on a little bit later. He doesn't call only those who've already got their lives together to be Christians. And the reality is, we can look around this place and know that none of us have it all together. We all sin. We're all sinners. That's our human nature. But he does call us to be better. He says, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. The false teachers at this time, like I said, we're creating that. And sometimes we can create that too when we give people a standard of what we are like in church and that they must get and do the same thing in order to come and sit beside us, right? Or sometimes we put that on ourselves where we be like, that person beside me is way too good. I don't deserve to be in the same place as that person. Like, I can't do the same, same things that they do. But everyone is welcome to make that decision. So, and then the next part it says, in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. So meaning Christ is the head over all rule and authority because he disarmed the rulers and authorities. Christ is the one who saves us. As Paul is trying to teach the Colossian people, God gives the complete and immediate access to Christianity. And, but our faith doesn't stop there. God calls us, calls us to more. And... There are no conditions on how we must receive Christ. So we've got that part down. But there are conditions on how we should seek to live after we take that step. So let's go back to verse 7 where it says, So then, just have you received Christ, Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, overflowing with thankfulness. So Paul says to Colossians that to receive Christ as their Lord is only the beginning. They need to also develop and establish that faith. So I talked before how there are no conditions to accepting Jesus. But part of accepting our Savior is also being willing to then deny ourselves and being willing to pick up his cross and follow him. So you don't need to be perfect to begin the process. But when we agree to begin it, we agree to give up our sinful ways. The reason I say this is because even when we agree to give everything to Christ, the reality is we will still fall into sin. We aren't immune to it. However, as Christians, God calls us higher. He puts us at a higher standard. And Paul says that once we have received Jesus as Lord, to continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up. Paul is explaining to the Colossians that righteousness is a gift of his spirit, and it comes from God. Which is why we don't need to have everything together. We don't need to be perfect before we can accept him. Living out our faith means showing our faith and expressing it in how we live. By God's laws. So I'm just going to read another passage. Romans 6 verse 15. So, I'm using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sins, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. 
But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. So now that we live for Christ, it's important that we are not perceived, as I mentioned before, as the meanest people you'll ever meet, but that we are modeling Christ in every aspect of our lives. Sometimes we get caught up in the mindset that, oh, I'm already saved, I'm good. I don't need to worry about anything else anymore. God will forgive me, so why do I need to try anymore? What else do I need to do? I've already accepted him. I'm good. I can, begin, I can continue living in the sin I'm doing because I'm a sinner. Reality is that when we accept him, we are claiming to start living our lives for him. We all fall into sin, but it's important that we check ourselves every once in a while, if not more, <laughs> and ask ourselves if what we are doing, for example, the things that we're doing behind closed doors, if that's what God has called us to do, or the things that we're bringing on our shoulders to church that no one knows that we're doing, those type of things. It's important that we're living him out in all of those areas as well. And that we're not just like, oh, I'm a sinner, so what do you expect? We need to hold ourselves to that higher standard because we are Christians. So the one thing that I know that I've personally felt convicted of over the past months is I talk to people every day, and lots and lots and lots and lots of people. But sometimes I get really annoyed with people. I'm just, I'm just... Sometimes I don't know what's going on in their minds. <laughs> I, work at a, I work at a coffee shop, and it's called Perks Coffee House. And people ask me, do you sell coffee? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> but you wouldn't believe how much I get that question. And it annoys me so much. And I, so again, I have to look at this passage and be like, <laughs> how do I act? Yes, we sell coffee. We're at a coffee shop. But I don't respond like that, of course. But it may sound overwhelming when we first when we first begin to take those steps, but God helps us get us helps get us there. He doesn't expect us to be perfect right away because he wants to join us in the process. And he wants to lead us through the process. I know that in my life I've sinned and I've gone against what God's character, what he calls me. And as soon as I get on the road to fixing myself, I feel his peace immediately. And I feel his presence. So I don't need to have it all figured out. But I need to try. And the same is how we are living our lives for him. If you don't feel that God is convicting you, or you know you're doing something you shouldn't, don't just continue in it. Because God, God will, don't just continue because God will forgive you. But challenge yourself and hold yourself to a higher standard like we are called to and get on the track of righteousness. There are no conditions to receive Christ, but there are conditions, again, like I've said, how we are to live our lives out as we have confessed. So I'm just going to pray quickly. And dear God, I just thank you so much for that challenge that you have given us, God. And I thank you that you're the one who walks us through that, that it's not us doing it and it doesn't have to be overwhelming because you take it all for us, God. And I thank you that you took it all for us when you died on the cross. And I just pray that, yeah, throughout our week, we'll just see you in the little things and you'll remind us and keep us on track of where you want us to be. And I just pray this in your name. Amen.
Hey, thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more about Engage Church or continue your relationship with Jesus, head to engagechurch.ca. We'll see you next week.